When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Foxborough faithful and the Patriots pals in New England, all over Patriots Nation, the world wide over, on this, the day that a new dynasty in the NFL was celebrated, we are very happy to take you behind the scenes of the dynasty. In pro football, nobody's entitled to anything. You have to go out there and earn it. I was pretty intent on proving myself. We were going to determine the future of football in New England. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions! First dynasty of the century. This game is like a narcotic. You're chasing that forever. Breaking news right now. Spygate. Deflategate. Aaron couldn't separate himself from that dark side. That team won enough to become the villain. We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. Bill tore Brady's head completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone. I was just trying to hold it together the best I could. This team will be scrutinized, celebrated, for as long as the game of football is played. Ooh, yes, they were, and didn't we love every single second of it. Boys and girls, here we are on the latest edition of Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. We're a presentation, as always, of WEEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. It's your old pals Nick Fitzy-Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart joining you today. But we have a very special guest who is here with us right now. He is one of the preeminent sports biographers in America these days, having written the definitive biographies of such goats as Tiger Woods in the book Tiger with Arm Contain and LeBron, which was released last year as well in his hardcover. Uh, he worked with the New England Patriots for years on a book that many consider to be the definitive story of the behind-the-scenes workings of the greatest double dynastic run in modern American sports and served as an executive producer on the forthcoming miniseries, which premieres this Friday, in case you haven't heard, on Apple TV Plus with the same name, The Dynasty. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to welcome to the podcast today the one, the only, author Jeff Benedict himself joining Six Rings in Football Things. Jeff, finally we got this going on, my man. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, thank you both and Andy uh, for having me on. And I got to tell you that even though I worked on this thing for the last almost three years, uh, still seeing that trailer uh, puts goosebumps on my arms. I'm, I'm excited for uh, everyone else to be able to watch it. Yeah, the the buzz is building great. I was reading some reviews earlier today. Obviously, I've had a, my hands on the book for a long time as well. Um, I've uh, You gave me some copies, which I shared with uh, different fan clubs and some uh, lucky fans. And we got a few more to give away as well. If you happen to have, as we're doing this live on WEEI's YouTube page, my socials and more, if you happen to have a question, we can take it live and ask Jeff during today's live podcast 
as well. Uh, but Jeff, let's uh, let's sort of just uh, get into get into basically. I you know I want to ask you obviously the question that's on everyone's mind first: Are you in fact dating Shakira? <laughs> <laughs> that's the <a>, no. <laughs> One more um, Oh man, Next. that's too bad. Okay. Well, I guess that I'll just leave that up to Julian Edelman. But no, first thing I want to do, obviously, um, you know, Tennessee tells the story. And there are many other great books out there about what happened behind the scenes with the New England Patriots, about Belichick, about Brady. So many, you know, there are just so many angles, so many players, so many participants in this unbelievable run by the New England Patriots. Uh, but this is the book that many look to and consider as like the beacon of what happened Um and, you know, we learned so many different things here that we hadn't learned in a lot of other places. So I know you kind of wanted to also sort of speak to this as well, just to get it out of the way and let everybody know. Um, let's address the to all the Patriots fans that are watching, listening on our podcast and beyond. People that believe that the dynasty is a craft sports, the, the book itself, let alone the miniseries, that people that believe that the dynasty is a craft sports and entertainment production that basically you were hired to by Robert Kraft to tell his tale. I'd like to just sort of give you the floor to address that first and foremost. <laughs> that would be news to uh, my publisher, Simon and Schuster, uh, you know, who signed me to a contract six years ago to, to write the book. And it would certainly be news to Apple TV plus and imagine documentaries, the two, uh, the two entities that, that I'm also in business with on the docuseries. So um, look, pe people say all kinds of things. It's interesting uh, for me. But, you know, um, the bottom line with the book is that um, and I've been pretty open about this. It was my idea. It's something that I thought about for years before I actually pursued it. Um, but finally, in 2018, right after the Patriots had lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, um, within a couple weeks of that loss, uh, I wrote a letter to uh, Robert Kraft, the, you know, the owner of the team. I introduced myself. Um, I made it clear that I, I was interested in writing a definitive history on the New England Patriots. And I wanted to really have the book address two fundamental questions. How was this dynasty built and how was it sustained for so long? Um, I was coming off. I was right coming off um, having worked on Steve Young's biography for five years, which really ex exposed me to the San Francisco 49ers in a really deep and appreciative way. And as I got done with the 49ers, I was thinking, you know, it's, what's crazy is as amazing as that dynasty was, it was only half as successful as the Patriots. And, and so I really wanted a chance to, to, to basically go from the Niners and Steve to the Patriots. And the reason I wrote to Kraft was because I was really looking for a comprehensive, I didn't want this to be a biography about Tom Brady or about Bill Belichick or even a biography about Kraft. I was looking for access to the organization, the team, so I could tell that story. I had the title picked out in advance, The Dynasty. To me, it was, it was an easy title to come up with. Um, and it and I wrote the letter to Robert the way I start any of my projects is I usually start with a letter to the subject. And in this case, it was multiple subjects because it's a team, not a person. This is not LeBron. It's not Tiger. It's not Steve Young. It's an organization and he owns it. So 
I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I, I wrote him a very open letter about what I wanted to do. And then it was crickets, crickets for months and um, almost six months, in fact. And then one day I got a letter in the mail, the old fashioned way um, at my home in Connecticut. And it was from him. And um, and I, you know, I decided before I even opened the letter and read it, I formed an opinion of him, which is he's different. I mean, regardless of what the letter says, he's he's different than most people just because he actually wrote a letter. And who does that these days? Not many people. And um, that was the beginning of a, a correspondence that eventually became uh, in person after Stacy James reached out to me and we had some conversations and I was eventually invited up to the stadium. And it was a process, uh, Nick, to be honest, it was a process. And eventually um, I started to have the opportunity to be inside the organization and do a lot of shadowing and observing. Initially, not a lot of interviewing, but just a lot of watching. And I think it was, you know, part of it is just feeling it out and seeing if this is actually going to work. Um, and so I, I know, look, I know what the process was. It was, it was complicated. It was lengthy. It was careful, judicious. It was all those things. Um, I'm actually proud of the process because of the end result. Um, it's one of the best projects that I've ever been able to work on. And I feel incredibly fortunate as a New Englander and someone who's lived here my whole life to have had the opportunity to do this because I have a tremendous amount of respect for a lot of the great journalists in the Boston area, guys like Michael Holly, who wrote some incredibly good books um, about the Patriots over the years, which I read over and over and over again when I was writing my book. People like Jackie McMullen, Tom Curran, people have been on the ground for a long, long time and did just really good reporting up there. Um, I think because I was an outsider and I hadn't covered the team and I didn't know people, that was probably part of the reason that um, I had a chance to do this. So, Jeff, we saw the trailer, and I think most of our listeners have either read the book or they didn't want to read the book for whatever reason. I don't know. But yeah. if you were um, if you were going to sell our listeners right now why to watch the docuseries, what's different about it than the book they read, and by, by extension, how was the process different for you? You wrote the book, and now all of a sudden it's been turned into a 10-part docuseries. Um, how was that unique, different, enjoyable for you? And why should we watch it? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll answer them in reverse. Okay. Um, I've had four other books turned into documentaries or films. And in each case, different levels of involvement in the process. When I set out to write the, the Dynasty, even before I started writing, so I spent the first however long, 18 months, year, just doing research for the book, even before I put pen to paper on the narrative, I, I wanted this thing to also be a docuseries. Um, and so I was thinking about that as I set out to write it. And part of the reason tried to write it in a real visual way is so that it is easier to see it as a film or a series. And in fact, uh, the minute I finished writing the last scene of the book, which is you know Brady driving over to Robert's house in March, 2020, to tell him that he's leaving, um, I was I pivoted right from that to working on the docu series. Meaning, 
the first part of that is spending a year setting up the project. You know, it, there's a there's a whole process to that, and it takes a lot of time. And I spent about a year doing that. You know, getting the partners together, finding out who the streamer is going to be, who's the production company. Lots of meetings, lots of conversations, lots of pitches, and then eventually, um, I knew that I I was really hoping that uh, Matt Hamachek would direct because I'd worked with Matt on the adaptation of my Tiger Woods book into an HBO doc. I sent Matt the book as soon as I finished writing it and asked him to read it. I was hoping he'd read it and get excited about the possibility of coming aboard as a director. And, um, and he did, you know, he wanted to, and it's great because Matt's an incredible storyteller uh, on film. And so we're now transitioning from print, medium to television medium. It's very different. And the series is obviously based on the book. It's it's essentially the same story, but told differently because it's a more visual medium. And that's why we needed the, you know, 35,000 hours of archival video that the Patriots had that they didn't even know what was on that video because they've been saving it and archiving it for 20 years. And we had to go through all that. That's a very different process than writing the book. When I wrote the book, I looked at probably mm, less than 100 hours of archival video. Some of it was in the New, New England Patriots archive. Some of it was down in Mount Laurel, New Jersey at the NFL Films archive. I was in both places for the book. And I thought 100 hours was a lot because it felt like it as an author. That's a lot of video to look at. But for the documentary, think of 35,000 hours of video that no one had ever seen and, and we had to go through it. That's too much for Matt or me or we had 50 people at one time who had no job other than watching tape and logging what was on it to figure out what we could use in the series. The reason people would want to watch this, if you're a Patriots fan, is because it is loaded with footage of your favorite players that you've never seen, no one's ever seen. And I'm telling you, this stuff is so raw. You're, you're in the locker room um, after some of the biggest wins and losses in the history of the dynasty. The stuff from the 2007 season alone is going to give people just chills. That, that right after Spygate, when they go on the rampage and they are just killing everybody the stuff that belichick says to these guys after each win it, it's all gold i mean it's and you got randy moss and you got brady and you got all these guys brewski i mean it when you're watching this stuff that you've never seen you're going to feel like you're back in time and you're actually in the locker room like you're a fly on the wall it's just i mean your jaw's gonna drop because i'm telling you that's what happened to me after spending three years on the book, to, to be able to go through this was just, uh, I mean, it, it was incredible. So three years on the book, like almost another three years putting the TV yeah. show together. Obviously, Andy, who worked at Patriots.com for 20 years and now with me at EI for a couple of years. And, you, you know, the not as very well versed in all the nuances, subtleties, nonsense, mayhem behind the scenes madness. And obviously somebody like myself who just bashed, I mean, I my, like my clock was set to Patriots, everything that Brady, Gronk, Belichick, Moss, Welker, Brewski, Vrabel did for two decades. 
is the way we lived. You know, free Brady was the roll tide of Pat's nation. You know, people wore Brady and Gronk jerseys to funerals, to weddings, to graduations. Like our obsession with this team and especially this two decade run knows no boundaries. So I imagine people are just going to consume this wildly. And of course, you've already brought up one soul punch in Brady's departure, which I still refuse to acknowledge. Now you've brought up 2007 as well. And like to like, these things will be like joyous and cathartic again, I think for Patriots fans. And I think the timing of this also is, is crazy. Cause I mentioned at the top of the pod, Jeff, that, you know, today was the day the chiefs had their, the parade for their third Super Bowl in five years. They are the next dynasty. And now we're just awash in all of the nonstop, like who's the new goat? No, Mahomes is greater than Brady. This dynasty has a chance to be better than the Patriots dynasty. So now that you have just been, you and Matthew have been exhausted by almost like a hundred interviews. I heard like 35,000 hours of footage. Um, It's, it should be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And I can't wait. And all that, like some of the reviews have also said, like, get ready to see certain players in different lights. So before we even get into, you know, things they said about Brady, reviewers are saying about Brady and Dolan, Belichick, who came across, like, who did you write about that you didn't really get a chance to experience personally? And then in putting this together, who did you walk away, yeah. like, impressed by, frustrated by, uh, or Great like question. with a newfound respect? Great question. So I can give you a couple of names and I, I know, you know, everyone watching this will, will like these names, but first of all, I'll start with Randy Moss. Um, so for the book, Randy was interesting. I sent Randy questions in advance. Keep in mind at that time, he was still working for ESPN doing the Monday night football stuff. In fact, with Steve Young. And that's how I got to Randy for the book. And I sent Randy questions in advance and the way he answered them in typical Randy Moss fashion was, he actually recorded them um, on the sideline of a Monday night game. I forget where they were. And then like the next morning, I got a digital file of Randy talking and answering the questions. It was fantastic and entertaining. And that's that's how I got my interview stuff from Randy for the book. For the series, picture this. Um, Randy Moss walks into the studio and we're supposed to do, I think we had a commitment from him to do something like 90 minutes of interview. Um, I think Randy stayed for five hours. Um, I don't know if Randy's ever talked to anybody for five hours, but I will just tell you that I came away from that interview going, holy cow, like this guy could do anything in, in entertainment, anything. He could have his own stand-up show on Netflix. He could have his own television show on HBO. He could be the funniest guy in Hollywood if he decided to become an actor. He does, without doing a spoiler, he does a reenactment in the series of one of the most famous scenes in Hollywood lore. Everyone watching this has seen this particular scene because you've all seen this movie. And when Randy does it in the context of him in his first game as a Patriot, the one at the Meadowlands again mm-hmm. with the Jets game, the yep. Spygate game, when he catches that first touchdown pass from Tom. When Randy recreates that scene on camera for this series, I am telling you that you are going to be rolling on the floor because it is so incredibly hilarious. And so I just came away from with Randy just like this incredible appreciation for how talented this guy is. And I'm not talking about his athleticism. We all know about that. This is just about his on-screen presence. 
Then there's Teddy Bruschi, who I had an incredible experience interviewing him for the book. Um, I went into things like his medical uh, challenges when he was a patriot and how uh, sketchy that whole thing was and how impactful it was on his wife and his children. And that's really developed in the book. We didn't cover that in the series. But I have to say in the series, when he and his wife uh, came into the studio, Teddy came in multiple times. We did those interviews in Boston. Um, I cried. I mean, literally, like when Teddy Bruschi, I mean, this guy, to me, he's like the spirit, the soul of the New England Patriots. I mean, I'm telling you that Patriots fans who already love Teddy Bruschi, you're going to be just like, my God, we were so lucky to have this guy wearing our uniform. There was a time in one of our interviews where he literally had to just walk off the set because he got so intensely emotional as he was reliving some of the tough moments of, of his time in New England. And, and I remember following him out into the into the area and just going, Teddy, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say other than just like, you know, if you want to stop, we, we'll just stop, you know, because you've given us so much. And to be sitting there next to his wife while that was going on, um, there were just so many moments like that with these guys that I I just came away with a more enriched appreciation for who they are as men and women. And I say and women because there were plenty of players who brought their wives to the studio. Maura Bledsoe flew all the way out from, you know, the West Coast to be there when Drew did his interviews. In fact, she even did an interview. And, um, you know, they're, they're people. You know, these are mothers, wives who lived this with their husbands in New England. And so how can you not be appreciative for what they gave? So we saw the trailer and there was an interesting line in there from Michael Strahan, who said the Patriots turn into the villain. They won so much they were the villain. Um, some of the early reviews I'm reading um, that are out there, there's a little bit of a, I guess, negative tone toward Bill Belichick and the culture and how hard it was to work in New England. I, I can tell you personally many times, both publicly and in private settings, Bill has said, I'm a hard guy to play for and this is a hard place to play. He knew the culture he was creating, but it, are, are we going to leave this with sort of a um, villain's view of Bill <laughs> Belichick? Is he the reason that the relationship that, I guess the dynasty broken into two parts is the building of the relationship with Tom Brady, the most successful pairing in history, and then kind of the breakup. While they still win, they're heading toward divorce. Are we going to blame Bill Belichick when we're done watching this 10-part series? I, you know, we're talking about Patriots fans first, right? So mm -hmm. if we if we just – let's put Patriots fans in one box. Then there's the rest of the world, which is more than 90% of probably the global viewers that will watch this, right? I think that audience, the 90 percenters, the, the, you know, all the other teams, fans, people around the world that don't even know much about football who tune in and watch this on Apple TV+, Plus. I think a lot of those folks are going to have their opinions shaped, changed, modified, formed. But I think in Boston or greater New England, the, the, the people like the, the people who are watching your show right now and listening to this, most of those opinions are pretty well formed. They're pretty rooted. I don't think um, this series is going to do a lot to move people off of their views about Brady, Kraft, and Belichick and, and what's going on in New England. 
I think what it will do is it'll enrich it. You know what I'm saying? You you will see more. It can deepen it, but I don't think it's going to cause people to pivot away and say, oh, I got a totally different view now of this person or this guy or whatever. I don't think it'll do that. I think most people in New England are pretty set in how they feel about the, the three main players in this narrative and what's transpired here. Um, you know, and you said you, you quoted Bill well in, in the preface to your question. And I think that that's true. Bill is right. He was tough to play for. It was a tough place to play. Um, the players corroborate that in their interviews. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it can be jarring to see the players actually talking so openly about that because for 20 years, they didn't really talk about it. And now they are. That can be a bit, you know, it's a little unusual to hear them doing that. But one of the benefits of this coming out now is the dynasty is now history, right? It's, it's not distant history, but it is over, right? That dynasty that we're talking about is behind Don't tell us. Fitzy. Don't tell Fitzy it's over. <laughs> no, I'm sure never. Up. I'm never giving it up. We're going to be back next year, baby. 20 and 0. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's something to be said for being able to, to talk about it now and in a little more uh, openly. And, and I think that there's – it's almost – I mean, cathartic might be overstating it, but I think that, uh, you know, there were a lot of players that... It's a big word, Jeff. You better watch out. They were ready. Um, You know, actually, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, one of the things that Andy and I have been talking about recently on the radio and the pod is how interesting it is now to hear so many Patriots players, like we just came off of, Radio Row, Media Week, leading up to Super Bowl 58. And now you got guys like Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Matthew Judon. And who else was it, Andy? Jonathan Jones, uh, the cornerback. Like, they're all out there. And they're like, oh, yeah, the defense was pissed last year at the offense because the offense sucked. And, yeah, Mac Jones got done dirty by the Patricia Judge reverse-engineered offense. And Bill was a pain in the ass. And Mac did this. And. But now all of a sudden it feels like, you know, like shackles are off and restraints and restraining orders and NDAs have expired. Um, Are we going to get and and it's very refreshing because we couldn't hear, pardon my French, shit for years. Like it was always just a lot of like, and everyone else had to always like be very terse and tight lipped. And now, you know, we saw once Brady and Gronk went to. Tampa now they're goofing around doing web vignettes with their you know tootsies in a pool and laughing about how great life is now and everything uh you know whereas everything was always so rough back in New England um and the big thing that rattled cages today online correct me if I'm wrong was the the soundbite from a lot of the critics that uh reviewed it and shared today that Brady basically said in the in the docuseries that no matter what he wasn't going back to play in 2020 because he had just had it with Bill Yeah, I think so. Two things, Fitzy, that that I'd say here. First of all, one of the reasons that the Patriots were so had such unprecedented success for so long was because of the way they were controlled. Now, a lot of that has to do with Bill and not only the way he coached them on the field, but the way he controlled everything around the field, the locker room, the press conferences. And the reason it worked for so long was ultimately because of Tom. 
if there hadn't been a leader in the locker room and on the field like Brady, who accepted and bought in to that approach, it never would have trickled down to all the other players. It, it would have just been chaos and broken down. But this lasted for 20 years. And say what you want about Bill's style. You can, you, you can criticize it. You can do whatever you want. But the, at the end of the day, the results are the results. They went to nine Super Bowls. They had an undefeated regular season. They won six championships together. That is a function of that kind of tight control. And, you know, can the Chiefs do this for 20 years? We'll see. But they're not as controlled. Um, there was stuff going on today at the parade, the predictions, the the bold declarations about we're going to win three in a row. And we're, you would never see the Patriots say some of the things that are already being said in Kansas City. It's a, That's a different team with a different culture and a different coach. Uh, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying the proof here is that it lasted 20 years. And, and that's a fact. And I think with Tom, you know, to be honest about it, he had the makeup. Could Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, you could, let's go back, John Elway, Dan Marino, would any of those guys done this for 20 years when they became as great as Tom was? Joe Montana? No, I don't think so. I mean, Tom has a unique personality and a, a unique ability Humble is a is almost a weird word to use in the context of big time football. But Tom, despite being a killer on the field, the biggest killer the league's ever seen, he's Lawrence Taylor on offense. That's what Tom Brady is. He's Lawrence Taylor on offense. Despite that, off the field, he had a, a pretty unique humility about him that allowed him to put up with stuff. When Randy Moss talks about Tom getting his head taken off. I guarantee you the first time Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth came to New England in 2007 and sat in their first team meeting and witnessed Bill doing that to Tom, they were, I mean, their jaws were dropping. Like, wow. And, and immediately, you know, like, this is Tom's team. So if Tom's putting up with that, I guess we're putting up with that. So first of all, I want to thank you for sort of agreeing and maybe even validating an opinion I've had for a long time, and that's more remarkable than any achievement Brady and Belichick had over the years was the fact that they stayed together to reach those levels of success. Because I once had somebody say to me, can you imagine if Belichick had Rodgers? And I said, yeah, they'd win maybe one or two before they just butted heads and broke it. There was no way those two, and as you said, I'm not sure anyone else could have worked with Bill Belichick under those uh, parameters for two decades. So 